today part seven is uh, Holy Spirit people. Holy Spirit people, or you can put the word prophets on there. I'm going to talk to you about prophecy today. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you recognize this or not, but God speaks through people. In fact, if you study the Bible, you know how we, God speaks through angels, He speaks through circumstances, He spoke through a donkey, He speaks through, uh, He spoke through a burning bush, He spoke through a cloud, He spoke through fire in the sky, but mainly one of the, the ways God mostly spoke in the Bible was through other people. This is called prophecy. When God gives somebody a word and then they speak it to somebody else in someone else's life. Uh, this is the main way God spoke. And, and a lot of times we think, well, you know what? I don't really like this person or I don't agree with this or that. But you have to understand that God never spoke through perfect people except for Jesus. Jesus is the only perfect person God spoke through. God spoke through Moses who was a murderer. And God spoke through him to speak to two million people. In other words, two million. God didn't speak to the two million. He spoke through Moses to the two million. God spoke through a pastor who cussed, named Peter. God spoke through a divorcee, the Samaritan woman. God spoke through a bipolar, manic, depressive prophet named Elijah. God spoke through an adulterer named David. God spoke through a teenager named Timothy. Here's the point. God doesn't speak through perfect people. He speaks through people just like you and just like me. Uh, the, the, the question is, when it comes to prophecy, uh, the question is, when you speak out, do you speak what God wants you to speak or do you speak whatever you want to say? Because there's a big difference. That determines whether or not it is prophecy. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3 says this, He that prophesies... Speaks God's message to people. Speaks to men for their spiritual progress, their encouragement, and number three, their comfort. Those are very, very three important uh, words in this scripture. Um, now, I'm not talking about the office of the prophet. You know, Jim Riley, the prophet that comes here and speaks sometimes. Uh, there's a fivefold ministry gift in Ephesians 4.11. The pastor, teacher, prophet, evangelist, and the apostle. Uh, you know what the pastor is. The pastor trains people how to serve God. Let me ask you this. Can you train somebody how to serve God? Can you train your children? Can you train your friend? Can you train somebody how to serve God? Yes or no? Yes. yes. You might not hold the office of the pastor, but you can shepherd people. An evangelist, you know, tells people about Jesus, brings them to salvation. Uh, can you tell people about Jesus? Yes, you can evangelize, but you might not hold the office of an evangelist or have that level of anointing. You can prophesy although you might not hold the office of a prophet. I'm going to explain all of that today in three easy points. So for your notes, number one, point number one is this, all can prophesy. All in the New Testament, all can prophesy. Let me ask you this, uh, are you a person, yes or no? Can you hear from God, yes or no? Can you speak? Okay, then you can prophesy. If you can hear from God and you're a person who speaks, then you can speak words from God. In fact, just turn to the person to your left and say, I'm a prophet. Now turn back to that person and say, I already knew that because I'm a prophet too. <laughs> okay, 1 Corinthians 14, 31. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and be encouraged. Notice that says all can prophesy. Everybody say all. I'll tell you, the very first time God gave me a prophetic word for somebody, 
And, um, and, and I'm not a prophet. I don't hold the office of a prophet. I'm a pastor. But God still used me to speak into somebody's life. I was a teenager. And I was playing the piano in a church service um, because I was getting paid, not because I wanted to do it. But anyway, I was there. And so I had my two friends were with me, and they were at the very back of this church service because we rode together, and we were going to hang out afterward. And so at the end of the church service, there was an altar call, and I was playing the piano, and we were singing the song, uh, I Exalt Thee, For Thou, O Lord. It's an old school song back in the 80s and 90s. And as I was playing the piano, all of a sudden we got to the chorus, and for the first time in my life, I felt God just tell me to lift my hand. And I just, I was playing the piano, and I just lifted my hand, and when I lifted my hand, I just began to sob and sob. I mean, tears were pouring down my face. I felt so stupid, so embarrassed. And right when I was sitting there crying, I heard God say to me, if you three, talking about me and my two friends, if you three don't start following me, you're going to lose your life. I heard it just as clear as anything. First time ever. I looked back at my friends at the very back of service. As soon as God gave me that word, they stood up and they walked out the church. As soon as they did. After service was over, we were hanging out. We were driving down 707 in, in a truck. I was driving. They were rolling joints, which you should not do. And um, they were getting high. I was not. I'm sure there was a contact high. I would tell you if I chose to get high, which I didn't. But I would tell you if I did because I don't really care what you think. But anyway, and so they're getting high and they're rolling their joints. And I'm driving down the road at five miles an hour. And all of a sudden, I told them, I said, listen, guys. I said, I think God spoke to me tonight. And my one, one of my friends said he dropped his joint. He said, what did he say? I said, he said, if we don't start following him, then we're going to lose our life. Now, the one that, that dropped his joint, he immediately started asking question after question. What did it sound like? How do you know? And by the end of that night, by midnight, he asked me for a Bible. I only had one Bible. It was my, I gave him my Bible that night. This guy's married with kids, living a good life. He lives out in Ainer, a little past there. My other friend began to laugh and laugh and laugh. The one that laughed, he died a few years later. One of my best friends ever. Now, God didn't kill him, and I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying someone loses their life. It's because Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that all through our life, God uses people to speak into our life. Godly people. People that, that are parents. He uses authority figures. He uses elders. He uses people that have experience to speak into our life. And God does this because God sees the road up ahead. And if you're traveling through a mountain and, and up ahead on the left, the bridge is out. And on the right, it's just crystal clear and a good path. And God says, take a right. And you say, no, I want to take a left. You're driving over and God says, you better take a right. And you say, no, I want to take a left. He uses your youth leader, your friend that goes to church, your parent. Take a right. No, I want to take a left. And then you take a left. Is it God's fault if you fall off the mountain? No, not only that, but he actually warned you. It'd be different if he didn't talk. It'd be different if God never spoke through anybody to us. It'd be different if God never spoke to us. But he spoke. You better take a right. And we say, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. We take a left, and then we think it's all God's fault when we lose everything or when something negative happens to us in our life. James 1.25, God will bless you in everything you do if you listen, period. Is there any more to the scripture? If you listen and obey. obey. It's not enough just to hear what God's saying. You've got to be willing to do what he's telling you to do as well. And you know, I think it's interesting whenever I talk to people about how you can prophesy and how you can speak God's message, people get excited about that. But when I say, well, other people can speak into your life, that's what they don't like. They think, well, as long as I agree with everything that person says, then I'll listen to them. As long as I agree with every single way they live their life and how they spend their money, and the, then I'll listen to them. Man, God doesn't use perfect people. He uses people like me and people like you to speak to people like me and people like you. 
So here's what I want to do. In order to show you how exciting it is that you can prophesy, you have to first learn what it was like in the Old Testament. So on your handout, there are uh, different levels. There's a line of authority to hear the voice of God in the Old Testament. It's much different than the New Testament. Um, in, in talking about giving an encouraging word, I want to tell you this story first. Uh, years ago, maybe 80, 85 years ago, there was a young boy named Robert. And um, he was about to meet his uncle for the very first time. And he was standing on the front porch of his parents' house and just waiting and waiting. And all of a sudden he sees the car coming down the road, smokes, you know, the, 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 the dirt dust is just billowing in the air. And you, know, you can barely even see what kind of car it is. And he finally comes to the house and puts on brakes and you know, there's just sand and dust everywhere. And little boy Robert, he just runs out to the car to meet his uncle. When his uncle gets out the car, he gives him a big hug and the uncle says, you must be Robert, I've heard so much about you. And then all of a sudden the uncle takes a few steps back and he looks at Robert and he says, you know what, I just feel so strongly that you're going to be a great minister one day. It's funny because nobody in Robert's family had ever gone to church, never been a minister, nothing like that. Didn't know anything about it. That night, little Robert prayed, God, let what my uncle said be true. Let me be a great minister one day. And that was how Robert Schuler, I don't know if you know who he is, he's one of the greatest ministers of the past hundred years. He was the pastor of Crystal Cathedral in California. That's how he first got his calling to do what God ordained him to do. And it came from a relative who simply had an encouraging prophetic word to speak into his nephew's life. Now, here's the exciting thing about this, is you can do the same thing, but you used to not be able to do it. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to hear from God, if you wanted a word from the Lord, if you wanted to know the direction God wanted you to go in, you could not go to God and ask. You had to go through these people. First, you had to go through the prophet. First one you had to go through was the prophet. That was the number one way to hear God. Remember, David didn't even know he was going to be king. How did he find out that God anointed him? He heard it through the prophet Samuel. Samuel actually traveled a long way. There was no texting or, or kids back in the Old Testament. There was no texting in the Old Testament. And so he, he, couldn't, so he had to travel all the way and find David and say, God said to, for me to tell you you're going to be the next king of Israel. That's the only way he knew. Uh, or you, if he couldn't find a prophet, the next in line was the priest. Next in line was the kings, like when David became king, then he could hear from God. Next in line was the judges, like Samson and so forth. Then you got relational hierarchy, your boss, uh, your parent, an elder. And then last on the list, number six, there it is, me and you, the individual. If you wanted to hear, and I wish I could take y'all in my time machine, in my DeLorean, and I wish I could take you back to before Jesus died on the cross, so you could walk this earth for 10 minutes without the Holy Spirit in your life. I mean, you would be, you would not know how to treat somebody. You'd not know how to handle something. You wouldn't know how to forgive, what to say, how to parent your children, how to handle your finances. You wouldn't know what to do without God speaking to you. Hebrews 1.1, and the book of Hebrews is all about the difference between the Old Testament and the New. Here's how it starts. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, but now... God has spoken to us directly through His Son. I mean, I wish y'all knew how amazing this was, that you don't have to go to anybody to hear from God. You can hear from God anytime you want to. Now, what is the line of authority to hear the voice of God in the New Testament? Ready? Here's number one, the individual. Number one, you see how it's different? In the Old Testament, 
You were way at the bottom of the totem pole. You were down at the bottom, you know, with, 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 with the dogs. I mean, you didn't know. Even, even the donkey heard from God before Balaam did. But then there's you down here. Now, in the, in the New Testament, now, number one, God goes to you. Now, listen. The highest covenant in the universe is the covenant of salvation. The highest. This should be very exciting to you because this feeling that you have about your spouse and y'all love each other and can be together forever, or this, this feeling you have about your children, I'll always love my children and my parents will always be there for me, and, and your best friend, that is nothing compared to the covenant of salvation. Nothing compared. You are, you are marked with a seal, the Bible says. Um, nothing can separate you from the love of God. The covenant of salvation is the greatest covenant in the universe. So if this is true, and you can hear from God on your own, why should you even have a pastor? What's the point? Why have parents? If you can hear from God on your own, why, have, um, why ever go to a counselor? What's, why would you ever go to a counselor when you can hear from the Holy Spirit who is your counselor anytime you want to? What's the purpose? Here's the purpose. We can be incredibly deceived. In fact, the more... Holy Spirit, people you have in your life to hear from, help you hear from God, the more humble you are. The more prideful a person, the more they only want to hear from God and have no outside wisdom, no outside counsel, no spiritual leadership in their life. They don't care what their spouse says. They don't care what their parents say. They don't care what they ever say. They can hear from God. They don't need anybody else. If you are 100% humble, like Jesus, then maybe I could see that. But we still need people in our life to help us hear from God. So if number one, if the highest covenant in the universe is salvation, what do you think, don't show them yet, what do you think is the highest, the second highest covenant in the known universe? What do you think? Oh, y'all are scared to answer? Don't be scared to answer! I won't laugh at you and point. Ha ha! I'm just kidding. What was it? It's not pastor. It better not be me. Please don't come to me. Please leave me alone. What do you think it is? It's your marriage partner. If you want to hear the voice of God, guess who you get to talk to? Your spouse. <laughs> All the men said, Hallelujah. Ah, <laughs> uh, the second highest covenant in the universe is the covenant between man and woman, husband and wife. There is no higher covenant in the universe other than salvation. In fact, the New Testament likens salvation to we being the bride of Christ. If you want to hear the areas God wants you to grow in, and you think, I think I'm hearing God say I need to be more patient, guess who you can ask to find out if that's from God or not? Your spouse. If you think, I feel like God's telling me we need to handle our money in a, in a more mature way, I don't know if it's God or not, guess who you get to talk to? Your spouse. Now, I'm assuming your spouse serves Jesus. If they don't, then you need to always remain in prayer, always be prepared. You need to um, have people always cover you in prayer if you serve Jesus and your spouse does not. But if your spouse serves Jesus, then that is your voice of God. If you ever want to hear God speak, listen to your spouse. Now listen real close. Your spouse may not communicate it exactly like God would. So you have to learn how to get past the emotions you have to learn how to get past some of the verbiage they may use and be humble enough to listen what is God trying to tell me in my marriage what is God trying to say now people preach this awful sermon on the husband's the head of the household that is not biblical 
Don't write me an email. I don't care what you think. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm just kidding, but don't write me an email, okay? The husband's not the head of the household. People preach a sermon on that, and they think that means that if the two are not in agreement, the husband gets to make the final decision. That is not biblical. Show me that in the Bible, and I, and I want you to study the original Hebrew and Greek. Here's what it means for the husband. The husband is in charge of bringing oneness into the marriage. The husband's in charge of bringing the team into the agreement. The husband's in charge of saying this, honey, I need to hear your heart. I need to understand what it is you're trying to communicate to me. What it is you're trying to say. If the wife wants to buy the red car and the husband wants to buy the blue car, the husband doesn't get to say, well, I'm head of the household, so I get to buy the blue car, even though you don't agree with it. No, the husband is in charge of saying, honey, I need to hear all the reasons you want the red car. I want to know why you think it's best for our family. Why you believe this is what God wants. Why you believe that this is how we should spend our money. Why you think there's, what features does this red car have that I'm not seeing? I need you to show me. Then the husband is equally responsible to say this. I am now requiring you to hear why I think we should buy the blue car. And with the same humility that I came to you with, with the same patience and same listening, I'm, going, I'm expecting you to have that for me to share my heart, and we won't talk unless you're ready to do the same for me. And the husband says, now I'm requiring you. Here's why I think we should buy the blue car. Here's the features I think is best for our family. Here's why I think it's financially stable. When they're both done, if they have not agreed on one, the husband does not get to say, well, we're buying the blue car. Here's what the husband has to say. We're not going to do anything until we agree. We'll just take a step back. We're not going to buy either car. Or the husband says, okay, you want the red car still? I still want the blue car. We're going to find us a purple car. You like how I did that? Because it's red and blue. We're going to find us a purple car where we both are going to sacrifice equally and then come together on something we agree with. That's what it means to hear God from your spouse. Everybody say amen. amen. Okay, if you're not married, who do you think is the second person you go to if you're not married? Parental authority. Wow, isn't it? Now, let me tell you what's weird about parental authority. Everybody's like, <laughs> I don't know if that made y'all happy or not. But anyway, assuming they serve God, and even if they don't, they're an authority figure, and God speaks through our authority figures, believe it or not, all the time. You say, well, my authority screamed at me, but what did they say? They might not have communicated right, but what were, they said I need to be on time. That's the voice of God. Be on time. Anyway, parental authority is very unusual because it's the only authority on planet Earth that has the... Um, highest form of control and then loses it as the years go by. In other words, when they're three months old, you can make them take a bath whether they want to or not. When they're 30 years old, you can't make them do that. You can try, but you can't make them do that unless you are their landlord. When you're their landlord, you have authority over them as their landlord. You say when they're over 18, you're their landlord. You can make them do whatever you want. I can't make my kids come to church then you got major issues because if you can make them go to school and you can't make them come to church, something's wrong. You are helping them to hear from God. What do you think God wants them to do? You are their parental authority. I don't know if this is a good sermon or not. I don't know. We'll move to the next one. Then. Number three, ecclesiastical authority, your local church. If you want to hear from God, number three, don't come to your pastor or your spiritual leaders in order to hear God for you. You come to us to help you process what God is saying to you. 
You come and say, I think God's telling me this, and then we as your spiritual leaders say, okay, well, here's what the Bible says. Here's what we've seen from experience. Here's what wisdom says. Now you tell me, is what you think you're hearing from God or not? Every pastor's favorite scripture, Hebrews 13, 17, let's just look at it and enjoy every single word of it. <gasps> Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, for they are constantly keeping watch over your souls. They will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not grief. <sighs> I could read it 20 more times. Ready? Here we go. Obey your spirits. I'm just kidding. <laughs> every pastor, when we emails, every <laughs> at the bottom is like, let them do this with joy and not with grief. Anyway, okay, so number four is, where am I at on my notes? Number four, human authority. Human authority. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I want you to pay attention. Human authority. You got teachers, policemen, the pre God can speak through our president. I don't, he might not communicate it properly. <laughs> Listen, God can speak through our past presidents. You say, well, how do I know? I'm going to show you how you know it's from God or not, but he can do it. She can do it. They can do it. Don't ever dismiss someone because you don't agree. It could be God speaking to you and you got other authority figures, your landlord, your coach, number five. Here we are at the very bottom of the totem pole, the New Testament prophet or the godly friend or the church family member or the New Testament believer. Here we are. If you want to hear from God, here you go. Do you go to me and you? Now, number one was all can prophesy. Number, point number two and three are very quick, so don't be getting nervous like it's going to last as long as the first one. It's not. Okay, it's real short. Number two is this, all don't prophesy. All don't. We should. We can. We don't. We don't always say what God wants us to say. We don't always lift people up. We don't always encourage. We don't always say things for people's spiritual progress. We don't. We, we talk out of our emotions. We talk out of other things. We don't always prophesy like we should. You know, here's what I want you to think about. Whenever someone, and, 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 and let's assume that someone is prophesying into your life or speaking into your life, you have to think about it like this. If I had a squirt gun, you know, like a, a water gun, the water coming out of the, the gun would be pure water. But if you are standing on the, if the receiver is standing on the other side of my screen door at my house, because the screen door has some, some dust in it, some dirt particles, when the water comes out of the gun, the water is pure but here's the person on the other side of the screen and it's come through the screen and the water's still going to get on them or there's going to be some dirt in the water. You, you understand? That's, what it's, that's why we got to be humble enough to not get our feelings hurt all the time and, 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 and think, I can't believe they said this. We have to learn to say, God, what are you showing me? You kind of got to wipe away the smudge, the dirt, and you got to get the find the pure water in what's being said in every sermon, in every every in anything that's preached or taught or spoken over your life. For those of you in here that always have a word for somebody, I want to encourage you to just hold back and pray for a little bit first. Um, is it encouraging? Is it is it for their spiritual progress? Don't be telling people what to believe in, and you should change this and fix this. That's not that's not prophecy. That's not New Testament prophecy at all. In fact, I want to give you an example. In, in Genesis 37, God specifically gave Joseph two dreams about him and his family. Yes or no? Yes. Was God very specific in the details? Was it a clear word from God about Joseph and his family? Yes, it was. It was very clear. But did God tell Joseph to say it? No. Just because God gives you a a look into someone's life or just because you recognize a sin in their life or just because 
there's something you think needs to be corrected in their life doesn't mean that you're supposed to tell them. You might need to pray for them and let that prayer cause God to speak to them. Husbands and wives say amen. Amen. Okay, so let me show you a scripture. Genesis 37, 5. One day Joseph told his brothers about his dream and they hated him even more. 13 years of Joseph's life was all messed up because he misused a word from God. He handled, he misused the mouth, the tool that God gave him to speak out the right things. He misused that and it ruined 13 years of his life. In fact, God never spoke to Joseph in a dream again. Now he interpreted dreams for other people, but God never spoke to Joseph in a dream again. Why? He misused the gift of prophecy. So what is the filter for us to prophesy in a people's life? What is the filter for what we should say? What we should post on Facebook? The emails we write? The texts that we give out? What is the filter? The filter is Ephesians 4.29. Only say what is beneficial for the spiritual progress of others and at the right time that it may be a blessing to those who hear it. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You want to make God angry? Grieve the Holy Spirit. You want to really upset God? Grieve. And it's interesting. It's not saying, well, all these sins here grieve the Holy Spirit. It's saying, talking about somebody's sins is going to grieve the Holy Spirit. Saying the negative things is going to grieve the Holy Spirit. In fact, even listening to the wrong words can grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, we should always learn to, and I'm going to teach you an upcoming sermon how to deal with stuff like that. But I want to tell you a story. Years ago, I was asked to, um, to oversee a music service for this uh, huge conference that was going on. And they gave me a budget to hire musicians and put together everything, had a big choir. And um, the conference was for this nationally known, amazing pastor. I mean, this guy was one of the greatest pastors I've ever heard in my life. I thought he was, I mean, I looked up to him. I was so, I couldn't believe they asked me. So I put together this big conference, then he spoke, and it was a huge ordeal, big, big thing. Afterwards, they asked me, little me, I was a little young guy, they said, you're invited with the staff to come and eat dinner with this pastor. I was so excited. I could not believe, I thought for sure it was a mistake. Did they know that I'm not really part of this church? And I was so, I just went, I sat at the end of the table, I was kind of by myself. All the important people were at the other end of the table. As the night progressed and the dinner continued, um, people would gradually get up and they go meet, you know, shake the hands of the guy and they'd leave and the table got smaller and smaller and I scooted down further and further and further. And by the end of the night, the only people left were me and then like nobody real close to me and then the famous guy and the two pastors that were kind of in charge of the conference that were there, you know, that had brought in this famous guy. And so I was just excited to listen to every word they said. I was eavesdropping to the best of my ability. I wanted to learn. I wanted to see what these successful pastors were like, what's going on and what they were talking about. And um, the famous guy, I really liked him a lot. I had his CDs. I read, I mean, he's written over 25 books. Um, I got him a picture with him, an autograph. And so I'm sitting there at the table, and, um, and all of a sudden I heard this famous guy tell these other two pastors some really bad things about other nationally known pastors that I watch on TV and guys that I watch on the Christian network, guys that I love. I've, I've read their books and everything. And he told these other two pastors, he said, well, this guy, he stole money from so-and-so last year. And this other guy, you know, he has a homosexual problem. And this other guy, he's had multiple affairs. And on and on, he was talking about these other three national, and two of the three pastors that he talked about, I really loved. When I heard him saying that, I wanted to throw up all over the table. I was so upset that this guy I looked up to 
was talking about other people I looked up to. When I left that night, I thought about the guys that he was talking about. It never changed my opinion of them. I still watch them on TBN. I still read their books. I still think they're great. You know who it changed my opinion of? It changed my opinion of the guy that was doing the talking. I was so upset, and I, I, I definitely need to get over it and forgive, but I, I've, I think I've only read one book by him since that day, and he's written probably 20 more books. So upset. Let me tell you, that grieved the Holy Spirit. That was not prophecy. That did not come from God, and he was misusing a gift that God gave him to communicate to do the wrong thing. 1 Corinthians 5.11 says, Don't associate with a Christian, not a sinner, a Christian who has a foul tongue, slandering, abusing. It goes on to say, expel him from the church. This is one of the three reasons that we are biblically to excommunicate a fellow believer when they refuse to stop strife. Why? Because strife destroys, and it's the lesser of two evils. Either ask the one to leave or let it destroy the entire family. Strife always... This is the opposite of what it means to prophesy. Number one, all can prophesy. Two, all don't prophesy. Number three, and the final point is this, all should prophesy. All should. We should. We should. We should. Man, we should prophesy to our friends. We should be the kind of friend that when somebody gets around us, they know, you know what, when I'm around him, when I'm around her, they speak the right things into my life. They don't fill my mind up with garbage. They don't, they don't, they don't say. Let me ask you something. If the right words can cause someone to fulfill their destiny, then what can the wrong words do? Think about it. If the right words can actually motivate someone, and you, you know what, you don't even know, you don't even realize what the right words can do. Sometimes there are scriptures in your short groups or your books you're reading, your Bible studies and stuff, and you don't even think it's going to be that big of a deal. You're going to have fun and hang out with your friends. And then you get to a scripture or you get to a word or somebody in there tells a story about their life, and it just it does something to you. It, it, in fact, people say you are what you read. I mean, what you hear, the words you hear, it, 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 it changes the direction for your life, whether you realize it or not. So if the right words get you in the right direction, just imagine what the wrong words do. And then you have to look back at your, your week, each week, and you say, this past week, what percentage of what I heard was prophecy and what percentage of what I listened to was not? And that will determine what's going to happen in the future for you. It will. Um, last story and I'm done, but I read this years ago in a book, and I saw it on Facebook recently, and it reminded me of it. In 1975, a very young Denzel Washington had come home from college, and he was confused about life. He didn't know what he was supposed to do, where he was supposed to go. He just didn't, he was, he was kind of on the wrong track. And he went to his mom's beauty parlor. And he's just sitting there waiting to talk to his mom. And this older African-American woman named Ruth Green was in there getting her hair done, older woman, and all of a sudden she began to stare at Denzel, almost awkwardly staring at him. She took the dryer off of her head and she said, somebody, give me a pen and paper, quick, I need a pen and paper. It looked like she was crazy. They handed her a pen and paper, she looked at Denzel and she wrote this, Denzel Washington, you will speak to millions, you will travel the world, and you'll make a positive difference in mankind. Something about that prophecy touched Denzel. He took it, he looked over it, and he put it in his wallet. He said that that day, that prophecy got him back on track. He's let that prophecy guide him and direct him throughout his life. And then, this is a true story, to this day, 
He still carries that prophecy in his wallet everywhere he goes. All because some woman heard an encouraging word from God and decided to speak it out. Our mouth is a lethal weapon that's either, either registered in hell or registered in heaven. Are you a prophet? Do you prophesy to your family? Man, you could help people hear from God. You could help people hear from God. You could help people hear from God. I feel like I want to say in Spanish or Latin, but I don't know any other language. You could help people hear from God. And you could do the opposite. You can help them stray away from God. 